Hi friends, Gerald Law here. Welcome to the Love Lake Norman podcast. Love Lake Norman is a church in Cornelius, North Carolina, whose mission is to help people find and follow Jesus. You're about to hear a message that will be helpful and hopeful. Our goal is to encourage you to take the next step in your faith. Wherever you are, we want you to know that God has a plan and a purpose for you. Thanks for spending time with us today. We hope you enjoy this message. Good morning. How you doing? I'm a little out of breath because I spilt my iced coffee down here all over everybody. So then I need something to drink and I went back and there was no water bottles. So I had to run to the water fountain and get water. So I'm a lot of breath. Um, well, how you doing? Everybody's good, good. You know, we're talking about high school or college football. We went to the first App State game yesterday. Any App State fans in the house? Yeah, okay, got a few, got a cut like two. Um, so we spent the weekend in Boone, so this morning I drove back to be here with you, and so I'm driving down the mountain this morning, and like I'm just seeing the Blue Ridge and the sunlight breaking through the fog, and it was just so majestic. Could not help but just be reminded of God's greatness, God's power, God's glory, and His majesty. Just amazing. So guys, will you pray with me before we get started? Hey God, just thank you. Thank you for who you are. God, thank you for the reminder I had of your glory and your magnificence this morning. God, thank you for everybody who has come here on this Labor Day weekend. God, I pray for everybody and the message you have prepared for them, specifically, uniquely for them today, God. I pray that you would use me just as your vessel to deliver your word. Help me to be reminded, God, that this is not about me at all. This is all about you. And we give you all the glory for it. In your son's Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so I have two daughters, and when um, my younger daughter was little, um, Lauren, she had this like little cherub appearance. She had these rosy cheeks, these big blue eyes, she had these little ringlet curls and this bright smile, and you would think by looking at her that she did not have a care in the world. But really, it was just the opposite. She had a lot going on in that little brain behind those blue eyes of hers. And so one morning in particular, she was like four years old, and she comes into my bedroom in the morning, and she is wailing uncontrollably. She's going, ah! pretty much just like that as a four-year-old. And so she's just wailing. I'm going, Lauren, honey, what is wrong? And she's just going, ah! So I'm trying to get out of her. I'm like, okay, so honey, are you hurt? And she goes, I go, are you, do you have a bad dream? And she goes, oh, are you scared? She goes, so honey, tell mommy what is wrong so I can help you. And she goes, I don't love God and I can't help it. Bless her. She's four years old and she's crying because she says she doesn't love God and she can't help it. I'm like, so honey, why do you think you don't love God? And she goes, oh. so I'm like, okay. Well, do you think you don't love God because you don't feel about God like you do mommy and daddy? And she goes, oh. I'm like, oh, honey, well, you don't feel like you love God right now because you don't really know God. I said, but the more you know God, the more you love God. So you love God like by going to church and by praying and singing to God and reading God's word. And the more you do that, then the more you're going to love God. And she's like, okay. So, you know, so we get her kind of calmed down and she runs on until he forgets about the experience you think. So it's like later that day, you know, we're together in a room and she is playing and she's singing and she's singing a song that we hear on the Christian radio station. She's just singing to her heart's content and she's singing and suddenly she stops and she turns to me and she says, oh, 
Mommy, I do love God. Isn't that precious? You know, but it's true. The more we know God, the more we love God. The more we know God, the more we can have faith in God. And really for God, the two go hand in hand. It's hard to separate loving God from faith in God or having faith in God and loving God. I mean, people, it's a little bit different. I mean, you can have faith in people and not love them, or you can love people and not have faith in them. You know, like you may have faith in your mechanic, but you may not love your mechanic unless maybe you're married to your mechanic. Um, You may have faith in your doctor or a police officer. You may not love them, but you have faith in them. Um, You may love your child, but you may not have faith they're gonna take out the garbage like they said they were going to. You know, so, but with God, it's different. They're kind of two are merged, having faith in God and loving God. You know, we, um, we love God because he is faithful, because we can put our faith in him. And we have faith in God because he loves us and we love him. So the two go together. So we've been in this series um, on faith and putting our faith into action. And um, we have come with this amazing acrostic. Let me kind of, I gotta, I gotta move some things around here. So I'm gonna move some stuff. Bear with me just a minute. Okay, so we have this acrostic that Gerald did. Great job, Gerald, right? J-Law, as I always call him, J-Law. Um, you can call him that too. He, he loves it. So um, J-Law came up with this for us, and these are things we can do that spell out faith, this acrostic, to remind us of how we can grow our faith, know God better and grow in our faith. So first we have friends who care, and this is like really do relationship with people, especially believers, that we can share our faith with one another and then grow in our faith. And then we have A, activating our spiritual gifts. We know that we become Christians. God gives us all spiritual gifts. And when we can see God use those gifts for his glory, it grows us in our faith. I, important moments, those big moments in our lives, it's kind of like, aha, we can see really God active and working in our lives. Um, T, teaching that connects. When we hear biblical teaching from the Bible that inspires us and helps us to know God better, that grows us in our faith. And H, healthy spiritual practices, disciplines, like I told my daughter, disciplines that we can do that help us get to know God better, love him more, and grow our faith in him. So I thought it'd be fun to do today. I thought it'd be fun to take someone or someones from the Bible and let's see how their lives align with these spiritual practices. And I wanted to do someone other than the big marquee names, you know, like we know Abraham and Moses and David or one of the Marys or Apostle. Let's, someone's talking to me, let's do somebody other than those. So I chose a couple of the Bible. Now this is a really cool couple I chose. Um, And this couple, they had, they traveled to exotic places. They had famous friends. They experienced life or death activity. I'm talking about the power couple that we know as Aquila and Priscilla. Anybody, ooh, yeah, anybody familiar with Aquila and Priscilla? Actually, they're more commonly known as Priscilla and Aquila. But these names go together like peanut butter and jelly because you never hear Aquila without Priscilla or Priscilla without Aquila. They are always mentioned together in the Bible. So let's take a look at their lives and let's see how they are our big faith people of the Bible. So we first learn about 
Aquila and Priscilla. Oh, so let me tell you this. So I've got the faith spread out. So we're going to kind of see, check off, and see how, how they're doing aligning with our faith acrostic. So let's see how we first meet Aquila and Priscilla. We meet them in Acts 18. So let's read the account of them in Acts 18 and how they um, interacted with Paul in the Bible and how we meet um, Priscilla and Aquila in Acts 18. There we go. So Acts 18.1, it says, after this, Paul left Athens and went to Corinth. There he met a Jew named Aquila, a native of Pontus, who had recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla because Claudius had ordered all Jews to leave Rome. So Paul went to see them, and because he was a tent maker as they were, he stayed and worked with them. Now there is a lot to unwrap in those verses. Aquila and Priscilla um, get to know Paul, but first, Aquila and Priscilla had been living in Rome, and the emperor Claudius had expelled all the Jews from Rome, and historians think it's because at that time that the Jews were harassing the Christians and causing an uproar and an uprising, and so Claudius said, Jews, you gotta go. And it wasn't because he was in favor of the Christians. He just did not, did not want that drama in his town. So he kicked the Jews out to kind of create more calm, he thought, in his town. So Aquila was a Jew, and it's thought that Priscilla was actually from an aristocratic family. So she was not believed to be a Jew, but because Aquila was going to go, they're always together, Priscilla went with him, and they leave their home of Rome, and they travel to Corinth. Now, it's believed that they're already Christians at this point because there's no mention of their conversion. So we're assuming that they are already Christians. So let me show you the map. So they started off here in Rome, Italy, and they moved to Corinth. So they start off in the land of Pasta, and they moved to the land of the Euros. You can remember it that way. Um, so they moved from here to here. Don't know why they chose Corinth, but they did. Now, Corinth, there is... Um, Athens here. But Corinth at this point had exceeded Athens as the political and commercial capital. Um, this is, it was a very wealthy port city. There's a very cultural and it's become the hub, Corinth. And it's a very prosperous city. And maybe because of or in spite, or in spite of or because of this, Corinth is now known as the place of wickedness and immorality. Imagine that as your Chamber of Commerce slogan, right? Visit Corinth, city of wickedness and immorality. Um, but that's what it was. It was a city of wickedness and immorality. Now, the Corinthians worshipped a goddess named Aphrodite. And Aphrodite was their mythical goddess of love and war. And they had built a shrine or a temple to Aphrodite up on a hill overlooking Corinth. And so they could look up at the shrine. They felt like she was looking down over them. And so the people of Corinth would travel up the hill to worship Aphrodite, not only with their money, but with their bodies, because they would fornicate themselves with the shrine prostitutes. This is now where Aquila and Priscilla are calling home sweet home, this hot bed of sin. Great place to live, right? Uh, you know, well, in many ways, I can kind of relate to the plight of Aquila and Priscilla. 
See, when I was young, I was born, my family lived just like 20 miles south of Atlanta. And my parents had married, and they bought this house, this larger like clapboard house that they had remodeled. And it was on an expanse of land in this Georgia area. And this house had a circular driveway. It had a white picket fence. It had a porch and a porch swing. It had flower beds and rose gardens that my mom tended to. It had woods behind it. And it was somewhat idyllic. But then due to a sequence of events, my family lost everything. Everything we had was taken, it was auctioned off, and we took what we could gather up, what we could keep, and we moved across town into a trailer park. It was a very large trailer park. And although the trailer park did not have a shrine to Aphrodite, it did have its fair share of wickedness and immorality. And that's where I grew up. That's where I lived until I moved out on my own. But let me tell you, in the darkest times, God's light shines the brightest. Because God cared for me in that trailer park. It was like God wrapped me in his arms and whispered in my ears, child, you just stay with me and it's going to be okay. Because God cared for me there. And I knew that my only hope was to put my faith in him. It's from, it reminds me of the account of Moses, when Moses wanted to see the face of God, and he wanted to see God's face, and, Moses, and God said, Moses, you cannot handle seeing my face. So God took Moses, and he tucked him into the cleft of a rock, and he put his hand over the face of Moses, and then God passed by and removed his hand, and Moses could see God's back. And it was kind of like that for me in my life. As I look back over my life growing up and all the challenges I faced, I could see God's hand all over my life. And I am sure that Aquila and Priscilla felt the same way. They could not imagine when they got kicked out of their home in Rome that they were going to be doing life with a big dog of the Bible, Paul. Not only doing life of Paul, bringing him into their home. And they would be co-workers, not only in their work as tent makers, but also in their ministry. And they did life and they built their faith and grew their faith together. So if we look at our acrostic here, I think we could probably much, we could check off faith, right? Friends, they do friends of Paul. And also important moments. That was in a very important moment had they left Rome and did life with Paul and grown in their faith. Um, so our next encounter, our next scripture, where we hear about what Aquila and Priscilla and Paul are doing together, it's like about a year and a half after Aquila and Priscilla and Paul are doing life together in Corinth, Paul decides it is time to start his third missionary journey. I mean, he didn't really know it was going to be his third missionary journey. We know that, but that's in, in fact what it was. So we'll look at the, um, Acts 18 here. In verse 18, it says, Paul stayed on in Corinth for some time. Then he left the brothers and sisters and sailed for Syria, accompanied by Priscilla and Aquila. Before he sailed, he had his hair cut off as his century, century, I think that's how you say that, because of a vow he had taken. Um, they arrived at Ephesus where Paul left Priscilla and Aquila. He himself went into the synagogue and reasoned with the Jews. Now, what we don't say here is not only did he leave Priscilla and Aquila and went to the synagogue, but Paul goes on and goes to Syria and leaves Aquila and Priscilla in Ephesus. So they start off, it sounds like, all going to Syria and then Aquila and Priscilla stay in Ephesus. Let's show that map one more time. Okay, so 
Aquila and Priscilla start here. They go to Corinth. They're going to go. They plan on going all the way to Syria, but they stop off in Ephesus, where then Paul continues on. Now, when they are on these travels, we don't know if maybe the plan all along was for Aquila and Priscilla just to stay in Ephesus, or if they're going to go to Syria and for some reason they change their minds. We don't know why, but we do know that Aquila and Priscilla stay in Ephesus and Paul goes on to Syria. We know that Aquila and Priscilla stay in Ephesus and they just work for God, do his work right where they are planted for some reason. Sometimes that's a struggle for us. Just to serve God right where we are planted. Because sometimes I think we are looking for some grand purpose of our life. We're looking for like a marquee sign, you know, light. God says, hey, work here, serve me here, do this. And some big direction from God, looking for God's purpose for our life. I know my daughters especially went through that. I have the two daughters. I have three kids that all went to App State. But my two daughters especially, like when they were in school, they were involved in Christian ministry. They did mission work while they were in school. They did mission work out of school. And then they were saying, they fretted over, but what is God's purpose for my life? What should I do now? What does God want me to do? Waiting for some big sign and some big thing that God wanted them to do. And i tell you what I wanted to say when they had one looking for God's purpose. What I wanted to say is, you know what? I think God's purpose for your life is use that degree your daddy and I paid for and go get, get, get yourselves a job and get off our payroll. <laughs> That's what I wanted to say, but I didn't say that. What I did say was God's purpose for your life is to do whatever you do, whatever it is for his glory. And that's it. God wants us to do wherever we're planted, wherever we are, just look around. Where is God at work? Do whatever we do for his glory. But we can sometimes be so afraid that we are going to somehow mess up God's plan for us. We are so afraid we're going to get it wrong. We're going to take the wrong job or move to the wrong place or go to the wrong church or go in the wrong direction. We're going to mess the whole thing up. There's a, did any of you guys ever watch Touched by an Angel, as circa 1900s? I see some heads, yeah. <laughs> circa 1900s, I love the Touched by an Angel. It would come on Sunday nights, and we would hurriedly get our kids bathed and in their pajamas so we could all sit around and watch Touched by an Angel and hear the Irish angel, Monica, have the light shone on her and say, oh, you know, God loves you. That was my favorite part. She said it every single time. Um, we love that show. But there was one particular that really made an impression upon me. It was, it was like they were wrapping the, the episode up. And Monica, they're in like in a courtroom, in a courtroom. And Monica, the Irish angel, suddenly has an epiphany that she's gotten it wrong. Oh no, she misunderstood God's direction and she's in the wrong place and she's panicking. And so she turns to Tess, who is the sassy other angel. And, and Monica says to Tess, oh Tess, I messed up God's plans. And Tess says, baby, who do you think you are to mess up God's plans? <laughs> right? Right? Who do we think we are to mess up God's plans? I don't know about you, but I find great comfort in that, that I cannot mess up God's plans. You know, that if I in faith just work where God has planted me, God will be faithful and he will use me to do his work and do his will. 
I just have to be available, make myself available to God and look where God is working. And in faith, just know that he's going to use me and I cannot mess up his plan. And it's a good thing Aquila and Priscilla stayed in Ephesus because God used them there. Because they meet a guy named Apollo. Oh, we think. Did I miss anything here? The guy, we got faith. I, um, no, we're good. Okay, so let's, let's look. I had to think about what to do. Okay, so. Now, meanwhile, a Jew named Apollos, a native of Alexandria, came to Ephesus. He was a learned man with a thorough knowledge of the scriptures, but he had, and he had been instructed in the way of the Lord, and he had spoke with great fervor and taught about Jesus accurately, though he knew only of the baptism of John. So he began to speak boldly in the synagogue. When Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they invited him to their home and explained to him the way of God more adequately. Now when Apollos went to go to Achaia, the brothers and sisters encouraged him and wrote to the disciples there to welcome him. And when he arrived, he was a great help to those who by grace had believed. Okay, so Apollos was a very charismatic, energetic speaker. And he had great authority and he had great knowledge, but he was missing out on some key points of the gospel message. And because it says he only knew of the baptism of John, what we can assume is he did not know the whole story. He knew that John had prophesied about the Messiah. I think he knew that Jesus was the Messiah, but he did not know that Jesus had fulfilled his ministry, that Jesus had been crucified and defeated death and rose three days later. It does not seem that he knew that. So he is not speaking the entire truth. He's missing out on some key points. So this is what I imagine. In my mind, this is what happened. So I imagine that a great crowd has gathered up to hear the amazing orator Apollos speak. And Aquila and Priscilla are part of that crowd. So they're listening, they're listening, and Aquila, and Aquila says, well, Prissy, he's good. And, and, and Priscilla says, uh, yeah, Quill, but he's missing like the really big part of the good news. And Quill says, well, Prissy, what should we do? And then Prissy says, oh, I know, Quill. Let's invite the boy over. I'll make him a nice pot roast and we'll fill in all the details he's missing out on. That's kind of crazy because they were in, Greece was probably a lamb, not a pot roast. Um, but what we do know, don't know if that's actually what happened, but we do know that Priscilla and Aquila brought Apollos into their home. And we know that with love and compassion, using their spiritual gift of wisdom and knowledge and discernment, they taught Apollos the truth. Now, how do I know they did it that way? Because I know that if they had reprimanded him and belittled him about what he did not know, you know, and beat him down, he might've been so discouraged that he did not continue preaching the gospel. But we know that is very different. We know he continued to speak and to preach. We know that Aquila and Priscilla used their spiritual gifts to encourage Apollos and his spiritual gifts. And because of that, they were all edified. And Apollos went on to be a, an amazing traveling evangelist, bringing many people to know the Lord. Because they used their spiritual gifts in faith to use us to edify one another. I need to pause here for like a public service announcement. Now see, Apollos 
was missing out on some truth. And he was not teaching people with intentional deceit. He didn't intentionally, need, didn't intentionally mean to misguide anyone. He just didn't know. I mean, he was preaching truth. He just didn't preach all of the truth. And he didn't do that out of deceit. He just didn't know. That is why it is so important to never take what anyone says, whether from this stage or a big stage preaching to millions, never take what anyone else says as the gospel truth. Because there is only one gospel truth, and it's right here. Friends, this is the only gospel truth. The Bible tells us that there are false teachers, and some people will intentionally misguide you. Take a look at 1 Kings 13. I'm not going to read that today, but take a look, a look at 1 Kings 13 and see how a prophet took the word of a man over the word of God and what happened to him. Because people will intentionally mislead you. And the only way you can know if someone's teaching contradicts the word of God is to know the word of God. Priscilla and Aquila knew God's truth and they had the discernment to know what, what was not God's truth. So I think that we could say teaching, right? Teaching. And they also were using their spiritual gifts there. Um, so we got a lot of those checked off. Great. Okay, so now let's take a look at our next encounter. That's in Romans. Romans. So um, this is what Paul, now so at some point is we're talking to the Romans. So at some point Aquila and Priscilla have made, made their way back to their homeland of Rome because um, Paul is writing to the Romans right here. And he says, greet Priscilla and Aquila, my co-workers in Christ Jesus. They risked their lives for me. Not only I, but all the churches of the Gentiles are grateful to them. Greet also the church that meets at their house. So Priscilla and Aquila are, have grown in their faith. They are hosting a home church. They are growing in their relationship through the Lord. They're growing in relationship with others. They're using their spiritual gift of hospitality. That is a spiritual gift by bringing people into their home and they are teaching and they're growing with others in their faith and in their relationships. But also they risked their lives for Paul. They risked their lives. We don't know what they did. We don't know if they hid him or smuggled him or broke him out of prison. We don't know. But we do know is Priscilla and Aquila risked their lives for Paul. And because of that, many more people heard the gospel message. Many more people were able to come to faith and put their hope in Christ Jesus because of what they did. And I am pretty sure they were able to do that because of their faith. Because see, Aquila and Priscilla knew, they knew that these bodies, they are just our costume. That these bodies are just a vehicle that house our eternal spirit. And as long as our eternal spirits are living in this earthen vessel, we will have physical limitations. But one day, these bodies are going to give out. And then our spirit will be free to know the full joy and the glorious reward that God promises to all those who put their faith and hope in Christ Jesus. Priscilla and Aquila, they had no assurance that their lives would be spared as they risked their lives for Paul. But what they did know is that to lose their life for Christ was to find it. 
They didn't put their faith in this physical body and what we have here on this earth. They put their faith in Jesus. So I think we can, I think, and I think that if they were able to do this, then they were doing all this, wouldn't you say? Okay, we have two more accounts, uh, real quick scriptures of Aquila and Priscilla. Um, we have 1 Corinthians, the churches in the province of Asia send you greetings. Aquila and Priscilla greet you warmly in the Lord, and so does the church that meets at their house. And then also in 2 Timothy, it says, greet Priscilla and Aquila and the household of Anisphorus. So Aquila and Priscilla, they just kept on doing the Lord's work right where they were planted. You know, they were, because Quill and Priscilla, they weren't anything special. They were just an ordinary couple who found themselves in, in a new home. Uh, they had a church family. They had friends. They had family. They had jobs. They were just had open hands and open hearts just to serve the Lord and share their faith with whoever God put in their path. And I'm sure that Priscilla and Aquila could put their faith in God because they had seen God's faithfulness throughout their lives. They had heard Paul's stories of how God was faithful to Paul. Probably the church that met in their home, they shared stories with each other about how God was working in their lives, how God had been faithful. Maybe they wrote those things down and they revisited them time and time again, reminding themselves of God's faithfulness. You know, in the Old Testament, God told his people to put markers in different places, to be reminded of how God had been working in their lives and how God was faithful. When God rescued the children of Israel from slavery out of Egypt and he parted the waters of the Red Sea and got the people safely through, once the waters closed back on the other side, God said, put these 12 stones right here to be reminded what I have done for you and how I have been faithful. You know, we can do the same thing in our life. As we look back on our lives and we see how God has been faithful, you know, if we write those things down and we share those with others, we will grow in our faith. When we see God at work in our lives, let's not keep it to ourselves. Let's share it with other people. Let's ask others, hey, what is God doing in your life? Because we know that God, if God has proven himself to be faithful, which he has, he will continue to be faithful. And when we see God's faithfulness and we put our faith in action and we do these things as reminders, we then can grow in our faith. And as we grow in our faith, we grow in our love for the Lord and the two go hand in hand. Thanks again for listening. You can find out more about Love Lake Norman at lovelkn.org. If you live in our area, we would love to have you join us on Sunday. If you're not near our church, we want to encourage you to find a life-giving church to be a part of where you live. That will be a key next step on your spiritual journey. Please take a minute, subscribe to this podcast, and keep up to date with our weekly messages. And thanks again for joining the Love Lake Norman podcast.